Welcome to the Millerville Community Church podcast of our Sunday morning sermon series, where the Word of God is always the focus of our hearts and prayers. MCC is a non-denominational church. And now, here is a message from Sunday morning at MCC. Hi, I'm Pastor John, and this is Millerville Community Church. I'm so glad you've found us on the internet and you're joining us for our Sunday morning service. We've uh, been having um, a lot of activity on the internet with uh, Vespers, uh, Coffee with Pastor John, and uh, we are doing Zoom Bible studies, and we're just doing a great deal of uh, ministry online, and you can be a part of that. And maybe you have, and have uh, been uh, faithfully following us, and we really appreciate it. Today in our message that I'm giving you today, we're coming and uh, building on the series that we've been doing on 1 Corinthians and we're up to chapter 10 in your Bibles if you want to join with me. And today I want to share with you uh, about your freedom in Jesus Christ. When you were born again, when you asked Jesus Christ into your heart, on that day you were free and set free by the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. The, Jesus said, if the Son makes you free, you're free indeed. John chapter 8, 36. So here we are, set free by the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we wouldn't want to trade that freedom for anything in the world. This is powerful news that Christ can set you free because most of us have been living like slaves all our lives. From the day we were born from the, to this very day, if you are not born again, you have been living as a slave, under obligations and under oppressions of so many sorts. Each of us have known the oppression in our lives, under the tyranny of those who would control us by guilt and by shame and by fear. Those are the big three that have dominated our lives. And how many things in our lives have we done in order to deal with those three things, guilt and with uh, fear and with shame in our lives? We have been conditioned by the breaking of our will to give in to what we know in our heart to be wrong and to do the very thing we know we should not be doing because of these great powers in our life. There is more ruling us than we would ever imagine. We'll go to psychologists, we'll go to therapists, we'll go to all kinds of people to help us deal with those things. And in the end, what they will tell you is, why fight it? Why not just be comfortable with it, learn to accept yourself the way you are? In other words, they're telling us to be slaves to these things and not to find our freedom. But in Jesus Christ, when you are born again, you are set free. Those that Jesus has set free are free indeed, freed from fear, from anxiety, fear from the, the shame that comes along with sin, and free from the guilt that other people want to put on us. We are set free indeed. We have been slaves for so long that we might even think that we're not slaves, but that we are willing servants, willing to do what our master tells us to do. And we think that uh, we're making free choices, but we're only doing what the master of our life has commanded us and uh, has told us we must do. When someone like me comes along and tells us that we can be set free from the bondage that we have known our whole life, 
We have grown to love and depend on this bondage and count on it and defend it. When someone like me comes along and says, you could be set free from all of that, we are terrified, we are angry, and we can even become violent by calling out to our master that the agitator is in the compound preaching freedom and trying to set the slaves free. Yet, when we give Jesus Christ a chance, when we are set free from the power that has controlled our lives to this very day, our sense of who we really are, what we were created to be can really come into focus. And we can begin to realize in our life what we were created to be rather than who we have been. We can lift our heads. We can square our shoulders. We can look at those things that have run our lives. And we can say, no, I serve another. I serve the Lord. And yes, we can be delivered by the power that Jesus Christ has when he works a new birth within us. And we won't need to be slaves anymore. Galatians 5.1 says this, It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not subject again to the yoke of slavery. Slavery is when we yield to fear to anxiety and addictions and passions and even ideologies in our life. When we let those things run our life, then we end up in slavery. Reason that we use in the midst of all these fears, anxieties, addictions, and passions, and ideologies, reason is just a way of justifying our position and where we are and the condition we're in saying it's okay and we can use reason to rationalize giving up our lives in exchange for what? For false security, a false identity, and a false purpose. A slave is manipulated by all these things and they are stronger than iron chains. A free person pursues and embraces hope and faith and the love of God. They are led by faith in higher principles, and they are led by the Lord Jesus Christ into the amazing grace of God. And they would die free in a willing service of this King Jesus rather than live in slavery again to those things that have mastered their lives in the past. Those who are set free, a real free person, they volunteer. They're not compelled. They are asked. They are not told. They are invited. They are called. And they are embraced as family. They aren't under laws or compulsions or threats. We have been slaves, but we are meant to be free in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has won our freedom, but we must fight to keep it in our hearts and in our lives because we're in danger of losing that freedom all the time. The old master that used to run our life is seeking to find his runaway slaves and to scold them back into line, back in for being so foolish as to run away from their protection. Jesus Christ does not have you in chains. You are free to lose your freedom.
you are free to walk away from what Christ has given you and for what he paid for on the cross for you. So let us turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 because that is the theme of this passage that we're going to look at today and how we can fight and keep on fighting for our freedom in Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 1 says, For I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that our fathers were under a cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptized into Moses as in the cloud and in the sea and all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink for they were drinking from a spiritual rock which followed them and the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not well pleased, for they were laid low in the wilderness. Now, there, for a lot of us, when we read 1 Corinthians 10 and we read Paul going into this section about uh, the Israelite people leaving Egypt in Exodus story, we wonder, well, why is he dealing with that? Because the theme of this passage is about freedom, freedom in Jesus Christ. Well, why tell this story about Exodus? Because what happened in this story, our ancestors, our spiritual ancestors long ago that knew the grace of God were slaves in Egypt. And God set them free by sending a savior, Moses, to overcome the power of the most of the strongest country in the world at that time and overthrow this military power, wreck its economy, and set the people free. And he won their freedom. But you can walk away from chains. You can walk away from the place that held you captive. But until you're free in your heart, you're not really free. You can be physically set free from the whip and from the chain. But until you're free inside, you're not really free. And that's what happened with these people. And this is the warning that Paul is giving from the Old Testament that it still applies today. He tells us about how we should not be unaware that our fathers, our forefathers, were all under the cloud and had passed through the sea and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Now, what is he referring to there? In fact, what he's referring to with cloud, you might be familiar with the Exodus story, that there was a pillar by day of smoke, they called it, and there was a pillar of fire by night, and uh, they would follow this pillar, and it led them out of Egypt and through the wilderness to the promised land. And when they were fearful and did not go into the promised land as God asked them to do, it led them back into the wilderness for 40 years. But what was this pillar of smoke and pillar of fire? I remember seeing pictures of it as a child, and it looked like a a bonfire out in the, someone's backyard and with a big column of black smoke. Those were the pictures. But when you read the stories of the, uh, those handed down from those survivors and for what the rabbis have written about this, it wasn't just a pillar. It was a cloud. 
And here Paul describes it in that rabbinic tradition, saying this cloud was on them. It was a cloud during the day that even in the desert, when they were in the heat of the sun, they didn't die of thirst because this cloud gave them shade. It wasn't a long, thin column. It covered them. And in fact, many of them described it as not being just one cloud. There was a cloud below them and beside them, around them, and it protected them all day long, all about them this cloud was that gave them protection from the heat of the sun. And during the night, it was fiery. It was like a wall of flame around them that kept wild beasts away, and no one could touch them or even approach them as long as they were in this cloud. It was later that the rabbis gave the name to a cloud, and the name meant that it was God abiding with them. And the name was Shekinah Glory. It uh, was a physical manifestation of God abiding with them. And as long as they were within that cloud, within the Shekinah Glory, they were under the protection of God. And out of it came manna from heaven, and out of it came water, and everything they needed to survive in a wilderness a desert wilderness for 40 years. This cloud, Paul now says, it was like passing through the Red Sea. It was with them from that day to the day that Moses died. And it followed and was with them, guarding them and protecting them. And Paul compares it to baptism, that when they were walked through the Red Sea, and they all came through on the other side, and not one life was lost by passing through the waters. And then under this kind of glory of God, they were baptized into the grace of God because they believed and they followed. And God was gracious in how they did this. And then he says, and they all drank from this spiritual drink for they were drinking from the spiritual rock which followed them, and the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not well pleased, for they were laid low in the wilderness. So now Paul says, look it, they went through a baptism like we did, and they had communion. They had Daily communion, manna from heaven and water from Christ. It was a, a meal that they shared with God almost every day for 40 years in the wilderness as they raised up a whole other generation walking within the grace and the Shekinah glory of God. What a remarkable event. What grace, what powerful experience that they had and they received all that all that grace and yet Paul says God was not pleased with many of them not all of them a few he was pleased with but many of them he were not was not pleased with and they were laid low they died in the wilderness of old age we should not take for granted the grace that we have received. We too walk under the protection and the cloud of God. His grace and his protection, his mercies. You might be saved today. You may know the grace of Lord in your life. And you may know what it is to walk within the love of God. But never take it for granted. 
no matter how long you've been a Christian, even as these people were, never take it for granted. For it is taking for granted that all of this falls apart and we begin to find that even though as God is protecting us, he is displeased with us and we're not going to enter into the promised land because of our lack of faith and our fear of what is there. We need to be strong and courageous if we're going to remain free. These people were such under slavery for so long in their hearts, they could not get themselves free to trust in God. We want to look at why. Why did they neglect the glory of God? Well, let's pick it up at verse 6. Now, these things happen as an example for, for us that we should not crave evil things as they also craved. And do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and stood up to play. Not, nor let us act immorally as some of them did. And 23,000 fell in one day. Nor let us try the Lord as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents. Nor grumble hmm, as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happened to give uh, the, to them as an example and they were written for our instruction hmm, upon which the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed, lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also, that you may be able to endure it. Here we've got Paul telling us how... People set free by the grace of God, whether it's by baptism and by the receiving the uh, salvation that we symbolize in communion, or whether it's actually being freed from a uh, chasing Egyptian army and the slave, uh, the whip of the slave master over you. God sets you free, but unless you're free in your heart, you're never really free. And these are the things that he lists. He says to us that no army, no weather, or anything else would ever be able to separate us from God, from God's glory, from God's grace, or to enslave us ever again. Yet, you could lose this powerful freedom if you notice the things it says that would cause us to be slaves again within our heart. The desire for evil things, worshiping false gods, acting immorally, testing God, and grumbling. These things led them into disastrous results, even as they were under the grace of God. We are warned that even though nothing can separate us from the love of God, these temptations, these things that lure us away from God could, in our own free will, by our own freedom that we gained in Jesus Christ, could choose those things again and be led away. When God sets you free from your past and from the power of enslaving sin, we are not yet safe because if we freely choose to go back into captivity, 
God will allow us to do that. He will not stop us from walking away from him and from his grace. Freedom always requires personal accountability and it requires responsibility on our part to be preserved in our lives from the corrupting forces all around us. Even the disciples knew this when they were with Jesus Christ. Judas was free to betray the Lord. Peter was free to deny him three times at the most critical point in the life of Jesus Christ on this earth. We are free too to betray and to walk away and deny him, even though we're under his grace. None of us are beyond temptation of the evil one. In verse 12 it says, and remember what it says, let him who thinks he stands take heed that he does not fall. Temptations can spread and take hold amongst the angels in, in glory. Just think about that. There you are, before the world is created, God has created all the angels, and there they are with God, and there's no such thing as sin or evil or the fall. And there is one, Lucifer, who says, I, will, I am so wonderful, I'm going to grow and be equal to God. And he tempts a third of the angels in the midst of God's Shekinah glory to rebel against God. That's our first example of how you can be in the glory of God and walk away. The second example is the Garden of Eden where Adam and Eve are in the midst of the glory of God, the Shekinah glory of God that covered the earth. They were in the presence of God. Walking with God, talking with God seemed like a normal experience. And there was no guilt, there was no shame. They were free in Christ and in the glory that was there. And then the tempter came along and, and sowed seeds of doubt and fear, anxiety and jealousy and all these things, all these things that we listed, desiring the evil thing, Worshipping false gods, acting immorally, he brought all that. The same way he led angels out of glory, he led Adam Eve out of glory. We can be fooled and tricked in the same way. You are free to choose, but be careful in your freedom that you choose well. Freedom means that you can lose your freedom in exchange for lesser things. The Lord provides a way of seeing through the false promise of temptation, and he does it by the truth of Jesus Christ, because every temptation is a fool's bargain. Freedom from, we can be free from all these things. The way we're going to look at that is how we lose that freedom, which we just did, and he who convinces us to walk away from glory. We pick it up at verse 14. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry, I speak as to wise men, you judge what I say. Is not the cup of blessing which we bless a sharing in the blood of Christ? Is not the bread which we break a sharing in the body of Christ? Since there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. Look at the nation of Israel. Are not those that eat the sacrifices shares in the altar? What do I mean then? That a thing sacrificed to idols is anything? Or that an idol is anything? No, 
But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. And I do not want you to become sharers in demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake at the table of the Lord and the table of demons. Or do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? We are not stronger than he, are we? There were in Corinth, and we talked about this earlier, this controversy about whether you could eat meat offered to an idol. And this was a typical thing you'll see around the world, that food is offered to an idol as an offering. And uh, typically, if you have, it, there are still many countries that do this, that not the best food is often served, but the rotted stuff and so on is given to the idol. But sometimes you would offer up good food, and then they might resell this food or offer to you food that was offered to an idol and for you to eat. And uh, the question was, well, now that I'm set free in Jesus Christ, what difference does it make? I know that the idol isn't anything. It's not real, and I'm not, uh, it doesn't cause me to fall. I can eat of that, and it's no problem at all. But Paul says, it isn't about the food. The food was offered to a demonic being. The, the people who did that thought it was a god, but it wasn't really a god or anything else. It was a demonic being pretending to be a god and through the act of idol worship, received their worship as worship of them and their demonic power. They entered into a relationship, an invitation to that demonic power. Just like he says you do when you have uh, Passover, when you eat uh, the lamb and the bread for that went through the temple courts, that too became a meal with Yahweh. And when you eat a meal that was offered to an idol, you're sharing in a meal that was offered to a demon. And how can you do both? Knowing that. So he says, don't do it. Don't share in a meal with a demonic, not knowingly, share in a meal with a demonic being. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. Well, you say, well, Pastor John, that's interesting. No one's ever offered me a demonic cup or anything like that. But I would tell you today that you have. If you have fallen for any of those previous deceptions that led angels and the people of God and even the disciples who have followed Jesus Christ out of God's Shekinah glory, the desire for evil things, the worshiping of false gods, acting immorally, testing God and crumbling, you're on your way to sharing that meal. And one of them, the more modern way of sharing that meal today is a word we called ideologies. It says here to not worship idols, but we worship ideologies. Jesus can set us free from those. We do not need to be under ideologies or idols. We need to be set free. He says there, therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry the worship of idols, which is also ideologies. Well, what's an ideology? An ideology is a system of thought or a concept 
like uh, an ideology of communism or socialism or any other ideology. And what you do is you take that preformed packaged material that someone has sold to you and you make it the template by which you live your life. And you say, well, I am this, I'm a liberal, I'm a conservative, I'm a socialist, I'm a communist, I, I follow the, I'm a Greenpeace, I'm all these things. You're, in, you're following an ideology, an idol. You're not following God. And that ideology becomes the template of your life, and it will always lead you out of the Shekinah glory of God. Because you're buying a false teaching and a false idea, because there is no ideology in the kingdom of God except for Jesus Christ himself. We don't follow an idea. We're following a person, the living, breathing Son of God. And we don't follow a principle. We follow the Holy Spirit when we are born again by the baptism and by the blood and the bread of communion. We invite Christ in our life, the Holy Spirit to take authority of our life, to teach and counsel us, to lead us into truth and to guide us into everything. And that is not an ideology. It is a faith-filled relationship. There is really no difference between an ideology and an idol. And you cannot drink from both cups. You are going to learn to love one and you're going to learn to hate the other. And this is the challenge that we face. Later on, Paul says in verse 23, all things are awful, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful, but not all things edify. Now, we ran into this uh, little section of a verse like this before in Corinthians, and I want you to remember this because they had sayings back there, much like you have bumper stickers with slogans on it. And as you go through life and someone you meet is, has a different ideology than you have, we are in the habit of quoting a bumper sticker. And that's exactly what's happening here. Paul picks it up and he says, all things are lawful. And that should be in quotes because that's the bumper sticker that the Corinthians were using. All things are lawful. And that was their whole argument. It was an ideology. And Paul says, yeah, I hear you saying all things are lawful. But then he puts in the but, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful, they were to argue, and that's what you do with an ideology. You just repeat the slogan over again. And Paul says, but not all things edify. So even though you might follow an ideology, it doesn't seem to be working. Have you ever noticed that? It isn't delivering what it's promised to deliver. It always falls short. As all idols do, they sell you a bill of goods to believe in something that they will never deliver to enslave you in the way you think, in the way you feel, in the way you act. Jesus Christ has come to set us free from idols, from ideologies, and anything that is not him. All things are lawful. Well, Paul doesn't agree. Even though I'm set free in Jesus Christ, and this is the great argument that has uh, gone on, 
that uh, even though I'm saved, that means I'm free, right? Yes, you're forgiven, right. So I could do whatever I want and the Lord would forgive me. Yeah, so if I went out tomorrow and got really drunk and I knew it was wrong and I asked the Lord to forgive it, he would say, oh yeah, that's okay. Yeah, he would forgive you. There are whole churches now teaching that everyone will get saved because we're all under the Shekinah glory of God and Jesus Christ died for everyone so that no one would be lost, so no one will be lost, but that's not how it works. In order to enter and to remain under the grace of God, you must choose that and not just uh, for fire insurance, not just lip service. You must choose it with your heart. You have to repent. You have to ask for it and to be forgiven. And you have to choose to walk away. That's what repentance means, to walk away from sin into the will of God. I'll walk away from your past life, your past ideologies, things you used to do, and follow and to know the will of God in your life. Let no one seek his own good, Paul says in verse 24, but that of his neighbor. Eat anything that is sold in the meat market without asking questions of conscience for conscience' sake. For the earth is the Lord and all it contains. And if one of the unbelievers invites you and you wish to go, eat anything that is set before you without asking question of conscience' sake. But... If anyone should say to you, this is meat sacrificed to idols, do not eat it for the sake of the one who informed you and for conscience sake. I mean not your own conscience, but the other man's, for why is my freedom judged by another man's conscience? If I partake with thankfulness, why am I slandered concerning that for which I give thanks? Whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. There Paul says, uh, if you're in the Greek world and you got this quandary and you're trying to be friendly and someone offers you food, go ahead and eat it. Everything is from God. All things are lawful. You can, you can eat uh, uh, nice ham now on Easter, which I usually do. I love it. Now, the law in the Old Testament said no pig, but I love bacon, and I love my spiral smoked ham at Easter, and I really look forward to it. Now, is it wrong? No, it's lawful. I'm allowed to do it. It wasn't offered up to an idol or anything that I know of, and I go ahead and I eat it. Now, if I were sitting at your table and you said, I just offered this meat as a offering to a satanic power, and then you offered it to me, I will refuse it because I will not partake in the meal with demonic beings. Not that I think it will have any power over me, but it may affect your relationship. It's a test that I have been given. And I would say, I will not eat anything offered to a false idol. I will not receive it because I don't want that person to be led astray. I want them to be free in Jesus Christ. We uh, all come into that freedom suddenly through the new birth. 
but we grow in it in our hearts and our attitudes as Jesus breaks the chains of those commitments and those falling aways we have made in our past. Some of those chains are pretty strong. There is uh, false guilt and fears. There's uh, accusations that echo in our mind over the years. We're always trying to overcome what other people have said in the past. But God wants to break every one of those chains where nothing really matters except what God says about us, that he loves us, that he cares for us, that he's on our side. And all he asks is to follow, to follow him, and to give our hearts to him. And if we would do that, we can begin to break everything, every chain. Paul talks about it as a race where we lay aside anything that hinders us in a race, in an upward calling towards God, and letting nothing hinder us from our pursuit of God. That's how we become free. And everything is set free. But in so doing, we need to be careful because we might, uh, as we're set free, there is a tendency to mock the gods that used to hold us back, the false uh, beliefs, the, uh, the mistakes and the lies that we have believed in our past. We begin to wonder how anyone could believe that anymore. And we're very concerned when we see it again. But there are some people who are still trapped by the lies of demonic beings by the lies and the deceptions that they have heard. And we have to be careful as we set them free that they don't follow those lives away from God to leave the cloud of God's protection. We want them to be set free. When you set someone free and when you help them to learn to grow in that freedom, you have to be careful and gentle and, and give them all the time they need that they can develop the strength within their own heart and their own being, have a clarity of the truth of Jesus Christ, so that when they're set free, they are free indeed. Whatever wonderful dream you are chasing right now, or what desire has been birthed in your heart, is as nothing compared to God's glory that surrounds you both day and night. It is always there. It is the neglecting of that glory. It is taking it for granted that would cause you to wander from its protection and fall into the temptations that lead us astray, into the mocking, the testing, into the, the unbelief of falling false idols and other paths that are not of God. It is the devotion to God and the Shekinah glory that we're in, to realize the freedom we have right now, the gift we have been given, that helps us guard our hearts. For the, God, the glory of the Lord is his abounding love to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. There is nothing more precious in all the world than what God has given you in the Lord Jesus Christ. A new beginning, a new start, to be born again within your heart, a new person on the inside. It could all be changed for you. And it could happen to the day if you haven't already received it. If you are born again and you know the Lord, then guard your freedom. Stay within the glory of God. 
celebrate it every day and don't let it become an old thing that caused angels to walk away, that caused Adam and Eve to neglect it and Peter to deny it and Judas to betray it. Hang on to it with all your might, even if it costs us your, you your life and everything in it, there is nothing more precious than the grace of the Lord, the glory of the Lord in the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray that you'll have that today and that you've made that decision. Would you pray with me? Lord God, there are a lot of people listening and, and they've been listening to this message and they've heard the word uh, given to them from the Bible. But Lord, unless you speak it to their hearts, they're really not hearing it. The, the enemy is always trying to get in the way and to prevent from people from really understanding what has just been said. But this understanding comes down to a decision. And if in this moment we can make that choice, the lights will come on. We can begin to understand and to receive the glory of God to step into this cloud, this glory of God. And then we begin to see it with our eyes all about us. I just pray right now that anyone that is sensing that call, that desire to be set free from all this stuff that's been controlling their lives into the freedom of Jesus Christ, the only place they'll ever really be free, I pray, Lord, they would choose that right now in the name of Jesus Christ and that you would set them free if they would just repent of all these false gods and come into the truth of Jesus Christ, even as he calls right now, for no other reason other than that the Lord of creation is calling us right now. I thank you for my brothers and sisters who believe, who know, for those that are coming into the kingdom at this very moment by receiving it. I thank you that we are a fellowship under the cloud of God's grace. And I thank you, Lord, and I pray that you would keep them and protect them and teach us to be a free people, that we'd be strong and courageous in our faithful following of you. I pray this in your holy name. Amen. I thank you so much for your time. This has been helpful to you. I hope you'll share it with someone else. It's easy to do. We'd love to hear your comments, uh, both on Facebook and YouTube. And sharing is so easy, but makes such a difference. Be a witness today. Share it with someone else. And uh, give your testimony with it. An amen saying, you too believe in God's grace.